You're listening to Revenge of the Drive-In, the podcast where Jim and Patrick watch and discuss a drive-in double feature, consisting of horror films, spy films, exploitation movies, erotic thrillers, sex comedies, and the like. Our ultimate goal is to determine if these two movies, randomly selected from a list of over 1,600, would make for a good drive-in double feature. We will be going through the plots of these movies in detail, so if you're concerned about spoilers, feel free to check them out before listening to us, and we'll be sure to point out if and when these films are available on various streaming services. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for any updates. That's at driveinpodcast, no underscores, hyphens, or spaces. And let's get started. I'm your host, Patrick, and I'm joined by... Jim. All right, Jim, we're doing something different. We're recapping our first season, our first 19 episodes. That's 38 movies. And we're going to be talking about our best, our picks for our best, our picks for our worst, our picks for our favorite kills, our favorite Mm -hmm. musical moments, if you will. (laughs) Because we had a shocking amount of music, like original songs and stuff. We only did one musical, but it almost felt like we did more than that. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to start off with our least favorite movies. And I don't know, maybe you could have done a bottom 10 here. I only really had four that I disliked. I had kind of trouble picking that fifth one. Yeah. It was a toss-up between a bunch of movies either that like weren't very good but I kind of enjoyed or a couple movies that are very good but I don't enjoy watching that much. Well, my top 5 bottoms were uh, uh Pam Greer in The Big Dollhouse coming in oh, at 5, no. Ginger Lynn, Dr. Alien, uh Linnea Quigley. Oh, uh, Linnea Quigley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Linnea Quigley. Yeah, Silent Night Deadly Night, you know. Every Woman in Killer Workout and uh, number 1, uh I think you could Baker. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> the 13th part 2. Okay. <laughs> well then, my number five least favorite movie was a movie that I actually kind of liked, and I know you didn't, but my number five is Puppet Master. Not the best movie. I kind of like the opening, and I like the puppet mayhem that we get at the end, and it kind of feels like the rest of the movie is just wasting time a little bit. There's not much plot. There yeah. needed to have been more plot. There needed to have been more puppets. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny that you said when you introduced this category that... uh there were only like a few that you actually didn't like because mm-hmm. I only had about three that I really? did not like. And Th- this was one of them, though. Yes, yes. It? And this was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> this was this was number three on my list. <laughs> number three. OK. My number five, Picasso Trigger. Oh, my number two. Wow. I think you're going to be surprised when we get a little higher up the list. But, you know, I thought this was going to be way higher for you. <laughs> Well, first off, actually, j- just let me talk about Puppet Master for a second. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you said. For me, I guess at the end of it, it was just kind of silly. And I, I would have liked yes cooler puppet kills, I guess. My two favorite characters in it were those sex-crazed scientists. Uh, but everybody else was just, like, boring and bland and stupid. Scientists? They're, like, mediums. Oh, yeah, those people, yeah. The... Well, they were doing, <laughs> like, It's, like, weird... the opposite of a scientist. <laughs> yeah, fake scientist. But anyways, yes, I agree with you on Puppet Master. But yeah, Picasso Trigger, for me, number five, I don't even want to call it generic, because really it wasn't, but it was just boring. Like, it was kind of a sad excuse for an action movie. It was just tits, 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 mediocre action. Yes, yeah, the action wasn't spectacular. The movie didn't have a whole lot of personality, I think. (laughs) Not as much as personality as some of those women, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, no, we had uh, two big personalities on every woman on screen, that's true. (laughs) I think... You and I both agreed it should have probably been a bit more tongue-in-cheek, a bit more comedic than it was. 
It was just, I don't know, it's not my favorite Andy Sedaris movie. I think it's the only one I've ever seen. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really going to go in with low expectations next time. All right, so my number four least favorite was a movie that I know you liked. Uh-oh. And that's The Strangers. Oh, see, I figured that would have made it to your list. For me, it's just that the characters didn't work. You understood the relationship between the two of them early on pretty well, actually. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of non-vocal communication there. And then you're just kind of stuck with them for like 80 minutes. It's just like at a certain point, the characters didn't matter. Home invasion movies tend to not have the most compelling plots. That's true. But I don't know. There's some relatively effective scares. It's a good jump scare movie. Just not a really a good character movie or compelling for too many other reasons. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right, what's your number four? You might not like this. You might not appreciate this. Uh, I put Spider Baby for number four. I was worried this would be in your bottom five. Yeah, and you know this, too- this is a movie that I remember liking, and I remember you weren't big on. It's it's not my favorite. It's not in my top ten or anything, but you know this is disappointing. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I was actually thinking about you when I when I uh, wrote it down on the list, but I got to tell you, Patrick. I actually almost didn't include this on the list because, again, there were only three movies that I really didn't like. But the only reason it's here is just because it's a strange movie that I didn't vibe with. You know, I'd like I appreciate it for what it is. I just I just didn't like it that much. I mean, there's really you prefer your Jack Hill films to have Pam Greer in them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So my number three, we're going Silent Hill. Ooh. I, I know you liked it more than me, but I don't remember you being passionate about this one well patrick let me tell you it's number two on my list oh right yeah all right and we already got your number three so we can get into this then far too long for the movie it was the sean bean stuff they kept cutting back to him the movie didn't need him at all he was Mm -hmm. just distracting from you getting sucked into the world that is the silent hill ash snowing whatever dimension that is or whatever you know what i mean yeah yeah not a complete waste of time. Some fun monsters-ish, you know, but I just didn't enjoy it a whole lot. Looking back on it, I think it's a great video game movie. As in, it's a great movie that fans of the video game will appreciate, you know? I mean, you got the characters, you got the monsters, you got the setting, but... To understand it, I think, to truly get it and enjoy it, you have to know the games inside and out. And I'm not somebody like that. So for That's me... That's exactly what you said during our episode on it. I spent hours editing that. And this is like a repeat of I, what you said. Well, there you go. Well, so, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so your views have not changed. I mean, again, I think it's a great video game movie. It's just not... I don't know. It's just not for me. All right. So your number three was Puppet Master. It was, yeah. And my number two was Picasso Trigger. Your number two was Silent Hill. And so that means you and I have the same number one. <laughs> it's Screwballs. Yeah, I know absolutely. this. I didn't need to confirm this. <laughs> and just, I guess, to point out, you and I have not discussed these lists ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> Screwballs was a pretty obvious number one. I think you and I hated this movie. Yeah. It was just utter shit is what it was. It was, I mean, when you boil it down, it's a sex comedy. And like, okay, some of those... I mean, it tends to not be my favorite genre, of course, but you need some structure. There wasn't any structure. And I complained that all of the humor, basically every single bit of humor came from sex in that movie. And it's like, Mm -hmm. that's not how you write a movie. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, because it's just too much after a certain point. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get the shtick. Okay, I get it. Let's move on. Come on. It's just like a tiring movie to sit through just because it's so fucking awful. As I said, when we did that one, we'll probably see worse in the future. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe not. I But I, I doubt the worst is behind us. But if it is, I mean, you know, that's not bad. If the next worst movie we see is Picasso Trigger or Silent Hill, <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Because we've got Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 coming up at some point. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) All right. So we are going to do our list of our best first watches now. These are movies that neither, well, I shouldn't say neither, but because these are separate lists. But these are movies that I hadn't seen before doing this podcast. These are new discoveries. There are only about four or five of these total for me. So I only have a top two because there are only two of them I really enjoyed. Uh, Jim, do you have a top 10? You were telling me you had, there were like 19 of these you hadn't seen before? Yeah, so I think I think at one point when we discussed this, because I, <laughs> I made the point that I hadn't yet seen 19 of the movies, so literally half of the movies that we've done. So I can rattle through my like 10 to 6 pretty quickly if you want. All right, what's your number 10? Uh, Hatchet for the Honeymoon. Um, well, well, shit, this is my number 1. Oh, my to, God, to, really? Way to throw this <laughs> off. <laughs> Well, because there were only two, so this was, yeah. <laughs> I liked this movie. I didn't love it, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I went into it with literally no expectations as I go into most of the movies that are on our list. You said something in the episode that we recorded about at one point actually feeling tense or tensing up at that scene where he murders his, his wife and the oh, where she's police like officer comes in. The stairs, yeah. yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, that was so great. And I don't know, there are just lots of things about it I liked. The shots, the goofy Italianness of it, that it was filmed. Yeah, in it's got Franco's that classic <laughs> it, Italian Mario Bava cinematography. That classic awkward Italian dubbing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to like there. It's not a masterpiece, but it's good. Yeah. All right. What's your nine? Game of Death. Okay. All right. Yeah, I had seen this movie before, so this was not eligible for my list. Yeah, I uh, yeah. But, but it's a fun ride. I'll exactly. Say, yeah. That. Exactly, and that's why it's on here. It's a it's a super fun ride. Super stupid. Super fun. Bonus points for having Bru- actual Bruce Lee dead in the movie. Um, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Bonus points for inventing Photoshop as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With cardboard cutouts. Number eight. Hush. Uh, I know that's like... Oh, all right. Yeah, I, I know that's movie I didn't you love. think you liked this one that much. In preparation for this, I went back and kind of like skimmed through mm-hmm. most of the movies, and I found a new spot for Hush in my heart. Good, because I love Hush. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, Hush is great. I really enjoyed uh, going back and re-watching it the other day, so that was fun. Seven, Shocker. All right. A fun Shocker's little... a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, yeah. Fun movie. Six, Sleepaway Camp. You told me to okay. go into it with no expectations. I'm shocked this is only six. I'm <laughs> no. shocked this isn't higher. Well, I think you're forgetting the one movie uh, I haven't seen. Anyways, yeah, but Sleepaway no, I mean, Camp. I mean, Dr. Alien's in, in the top five. I can tell that already. Oh, absolutely, I mean, yeah. Sleepaway Camp was, was yeah. something else. My favorite part about Sleepaway Camp, though, was, again, I went back and rewatched it. <laughs> all the dumb deaths like when the people get run over in the beginning by the boating teenagers who are just like yes. not looking you know or the cook who gets burned alive oh that one's a classic yeah great death though in that which elevated it for me was the old man getting the, the arrow. arrow through the neck yeah so now, i was gonna say i like the the guy that can't figure out how to get under a stall to avoid <laughs> getting murdered by yeah. bees it's great yeah i'm assuming uh, my number two could still be in your top five, but I'd be kind of surprised if it were. But keep going. For me, five, It, The Terror from Beyond Space. Oh. I really liked it. 
I've watched you really it. Liked it. <laughs> yeah, point. yeah. It's like an episode of Star Trek, just a little longer, and I love it. I don't know. It's and just less great. of a budget, probably. <laughs> yeah. Four is ready or not. Oh, really right. enjoyed it. I, for, I forgot you hadn't seen that one before because that's a recent movie. I kind of assumed. Yeah. Yeah. Ready or not's a good movie. Yeah, I told everybody I know about that movie because you know it's not like I'm not going to tell everybody about it. Yeah, you know, but I'll say, hey, no, if yeah, you watch a movie, watch Ready or Not. You have to be someone that tolerates a certain type of movie to watch it, The Terror from Beyond Space. Like you have to <laughs> accept a certain amount of cheese. I I do agree. I think Ready or Not kind of something for everybody in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's not really scary, but it's no. it's tense. It's got horror. It's got satire. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of great stuff there. Yeah, all around a pretty solid movie. Three, Doctor Alien. You were right. Okay, definitely up there. Loved it. Don't you feel embarrassed saying that? I do. Yeah, I do. Number. Th- well, the hard thing about this was I was looking at the list and I was like, should I put Ready or Not above it? And then I was like, eh, I've I've seen Ready or Not like four times now. I'm gonna put Doctor Alien above it. <laughs> Doctor Alien is is again. I I saw it for the first time not long before we started this podcast. So it's still relatively new for me, but it it was like unearthing a gem. When I saw it, I was like, <laughs> why aren't more people talking about this movie? Because it's just so weird and so stupid, but like entertaining. Yeah. Entertainingly stupid. Yeah. And that's why it's so high on this list. It, it's entertainingly stupid. And it just kind of fits that perfect, like, sit back, relax, watch something enjoyable and silly. For me, number two, Phantasm. Never right. seen it. Yeah, I I knew this was coming high on your list because you loved this one. Yeah, I do. I loved it. I I'd always heard about it, and I heard about it being a cult classic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when I saw it, I was blown away by how interesting it was. I loved the whole kind of like little world they have built up in it, and uh, mm-hmm. all the characters are great, uh, except for the kid. He's kind of annoying, but he's your fine, plucky, you know, thirteen, fourteen year old kid. He's fine. Yeah, I do like his jean jacket, so I will say that, and his dirt. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I love his car. His um, or well, it's his brother's car. But maybe it's his because, spoiler alert, the brother's dead throughout the entire movie. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know whose car it is. It's been repossessed or something. But yeah, it's a Hemi Cuda. Mm. All right. So hit me with that number one. I think you might know what it is. It's uh, Audition. I actually. Oh, no, Audition. Okay. <laughs> sorry to cut yeah. you off. <laughs> I No, no, no. I, w- I was going to say I wasn't sure. Now that you say Audition, sure. I wouldn't have necessarily thought you'd put Audition above Phantasm, but like process of elimination that's not in the top 10 yet yeah i should have known audition was coming i don't know what's up with me right now but i'm super into like japanese stuff right now and it started around the time that you made me watch audition and okay. dude, i was just blown away by everything in the movie i was blown don't away tell by me you watch anime now no please. no 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 i'm not a okay, loser okay. take that a fans who watch anime <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, it's great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was amazing. Is Audition the most unique movie you've ever seen? Because it's up there for me. Unique. Um, Like, like there is no other movie that I've seen that's like Audition. When you say it like that, yes. There's no other movie that I've seen that's like Audition. So it's, it's truly unique. I've definitely seen other movies that change genres, but never in that extreme of a way (laughs) no and the thing about audition too was it kind of starts off like a conventional horror thriller sort of thing and then by the end not really not horror i guess i should have said it just starts off like a normal movie absolutely and then by the end of it it's you're like what the fuck (laughs) you know oh yeah and then halfway through there's all kinds of crazy dream sequence things that you don't know if they're dreams or reality or what's going on and yeah the last 20 or so minutes of audition well They'll be expanded upon 
when we get to our favorite scenes section mm-hmm. of, of of this episode, I'm sure, at least for me. But what's your uh, uh, number one? My number one, by process of elimination, it's not Picasso Trigger, it's not Silent Hill, because <laughs> those are movies that I hadn't seen before that made my bottom five. And I think this might be the only other new movie that I had seen for this podcast, and it's The Big Doll House. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's my number. That's my number two. Yeah. I liked Hatcher. I think Hatcher for the Honeymoon is a little bit better, and I'm guess I guess you agree because that made your top ten. This the the Big Doll House didn't. Yeah. But you did enjoy the Big Doll House. You you even seem to have enjoyed it a bit more than me. But yeah, well, cause it's another example of one of those movies where. I don't want to bring Tarantino up because we did last time, but what does he call, like, chill movies, I think he calls them, or just, like... Chill movies? Yeah, where you can just, like, throw it on on the TV and, oh. like, hang out. Hang out movies, Oh, I, I would them. use the term, like, background movie. It's something kind of like that, but if you're going to watch any part of it, like, it's all pretty decent stuff, and it's kind of ridiculous. You watch the cat too. fight. Pay attention to <laughs> the cat fight. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the scene in the movie. It's a weirdo Filipino movie with a snake in it, and somehow it's not the one movie we saw that killed a real life snake in the movie. <laughs> Just, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Filipino movies have a reputation of killing animals the way Italian movies do, but I'm kind of assuming. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's racist for me to assume that. I, don't know. I mean, Italians aren't. Story to all of our Filipino and Italian <laughs> Italians fans. Italians want to be seen as another race, but but they can't be, and that nothing pisses them off more. <laughs> so this next one we're doing top five non-vocal themes, okay. i.e., and I don't know. I picked it as like all five of these are. You could argue they're the theme song of the movie. I mean, it's kind of debatable for maybe a couple of them, but I'm going for like scores but mm-hmm. not necessarily the the whole score we're just i'm looking at one particular track mm-hmm. all right so jim why don't you get us started uh my number five is the tall man on main street in phantasm by fred That's miro and malcolm seagrave oh oh i because the scene when he's walking down yes there. okay because yeah. that song plays a bunch of times throughout the movies so, well that okay. one that one is actually a slightly different score okay then like because it sounds like the main theme for phantasm but it's got like a snare drum beat in it or something like that which is why I oh yeah it it's over a little prog rocky in a way and uh yeah i just really dig it and that scene that slow-mo scene where you have the mm-hmm. tall man walking down main street really cool creepy scene great music yeah yeah i don't know well i've got the phantasm theme I didn't go as specific as you did at number two. Wow. I think it's, I think it's a great track. It's uh, I, I actually might even slightly prefer they do like a sped up, like more action-y version of it in the like end of Phantasm 2 that I think is great. I love them both for sort of just different moods. But yeah, no, it's a fantastic piece of music. I know I talked about like why don't more people talk about this as one of the all-time classic horror movie themes the way people talk about jaws and halloween and stuff like that yeah i mean it's genuinely a a great sounding theme and it because it's almost got that mix of like um what is it like tubly up oh, damn it tubular bells yeah and it almost... sounds a bit like that and and then it also a little bit of halloween in there too just, really just because of the piano and yeah. the kind of the simplicity of it yeah it's great all right so give me your number four my number four is the nightmare on elm street theme this is my number four. Oh no way! <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a great spooky '80s synthy theme, you know. And yeah, something... Charles Bernstein 
to my knowledge, no relation to Elmore or Leonard. I don't know. What about I'm not the confident in saying that Bernstein Bears or Bernstein? <laughs> no relation to the Bears either. <laughs> um, that I am confident in saying. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, it's just a really great theme. I think it gets the respect, the credit it deserves. But yeah. just that whole—it's—it's it's listed as like kind of two tracks or like a one track, but with like a slash through it, and it's like prologue slash main mm-hmm. title. That entire thing is so great, so moody, so dark, so creepy perfect stuff my favorite part about that theme is like that um i I wouldn't call it vocal but it's that i don't even want to do it but i'm going to it's a uh part oh like the the background thing yeah that to me is so creepy yeah yeah i don't know it just chills me uh my number three is game of death the game of death opening theme by john barry Oh fuck! I don't even remember this. Dude, I know it was. I never remember it was theme. John Barry. I don't remember this music. John this was, Barry Orchestra. Same. Same. This was nowhere near my top five. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go listen to it though. Dude, it's such a great opening theme. It sounds like a Bond theme, and it doesn't fit the movie at all. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure it may have fit the movie or i'm sure it would have fit the movie if the movie had been filmed the way it was supposed to but it's just a really probably cool not because john barry probably came in in the 78 version i oh, doubt they had yeah. john barry back in 72 yeah you're probably right but yeah it's a great theme you got to listen to it it's fucking great all right so my number three and i will say my top three are all kind of interchangeable like i, I already mentioned i had phantasm at two but mm-hmm. my number three is the godzilla theme holy sh- oh, oh never mind <laughs> wait that's your number two then yeah that's my number two (laughs) okay well it's fantastic stuff i love that they brought it back in 2019 with bear mccreary doing the score for godzilla king of the monsters very few things get me more hyped than hearing those strings just kind of i don't know it just the song works for me similarly in a way to how the movie works for me it's just fantastic stuff i love it i love the entire score there's a couple other tracks too that i have no idea what they're called but i like those in in the so it's a good score overall the movie scored perfectly but especially that action theme uh, like it just fits the action scenes so well it almost tenses you up because you see Godzilla wrecking up Tokyo and you're like, oh my God. And then this theme pops in and uh, it just makes you, I don't know, like excited to watch all this descri- uh, um, destruction. destruction. All right. So that's your two. My two is Phantasm. It looks like we probably have another in common number one. Mm, we might. How about right? you go? It's the James Bond thing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> and, and like I said, there was competition here. And had I known you'd, I probably should have assumed you would put it at one. But had I known you were putting it at one, maybe I would have put Phantasm or, or Godzilla because those three are kind of, love them all relatively equally. But the James Bond theme with that almost like surf rock guitar, it's just, <laughs> yeah, it, right? It's a surf rock sound yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's classic, it's iconic, it's far and away the most famous of the themes that we had, not that that itself is the reason to put it number one, but it's great. Yeah, and I mean, as you mentioned in the Dr. No episode, they, or the, uh, uh, I guess it's Albert R. Broccoli, is that his name? Is it, is it Broccoli? Whatever. Uh, yeah, Cubby. Yeah. He went by Cubby. When they were making the movie, you pointed out that they kind of misused the theme a lot, like, they didn't know what yes. they had, and with I agree Dr. with you. No, they, they used that theme too many times yeah and i totally agree with you but that doesn't detract from how awesome the theme is you know it's just such a great 
And if it does, then you can just take it from from Russia with love because they don't overuse it in that movie. Exactly, we did yeah. do two Bond movies. Reminder. No, it's just it's just great. And I think like that theme. I bet if you ask somebody, like if you walked up on the street and said, "Can you hum the James Bond theme?" Somebody would be like, everybody would be able to hum it. Yeah, I think like the the themes that everyone freaking knows are probably James Bond, Jaws, Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. a handful of others, maybe. Okay, so moving on, let's talk about our top ten scenes, and that could just be like anything, really. Well, we well, I will say that I I did not necessarily tell you to do this, or maybe I did, I can't remember, but we knew we were having a separate category for top ten kills. So I will say that none of these include a kill that would be in my top ten because I wanted them to be separate and unique. But yeah, I don't know if you'll abide by the same. Okay. Oh, I did. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. And and I would also say, because my number 10 and 9 are both musical performances, but, <laughs> okay. and we do have a top 10 songs, but that's not, again, I'm viewing these as not the quality of the songs so much as just how much I enjoyed this scene. Mm-hmm. And that's worth noting because number 10 is a song I don't enjoy that much. It's the wooden heart scene from GI Blues, ah. which is the scene where uh, Lou Gehrig's dad's uh, phonograph or his record player stops working. So Elvis says, hey, take that accordion. You play the music. I'll sing and I'll do it with this puppet because it's at this puppet show that a bunch of kids are watching and the kids all sing the German part. And it's just a really fun scene. It's it's It just kind of... I don't know. It just fills my heart with joy, that scene, that more than any other scene in that movie, even though it's one of my least favorite songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, you know, it, it's like a really cute scene, and it's kind of almost like a cute date scene from like a, a modern rom-com or something, you know? Just just to clarify, because I did mention the kids, Elvis is not dating the kids. <laughs> Just, just, just so, just for you listeners who didn't catch that episode. He's also not abusing them like he does it the, to the baby at the end of the movie. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if we had a top ten worst scenes, that's number one. I yeah. hate that the last twenty minutes with the baby. But oh yeah. Anyways, yeah. So that's my pick for number ten. What's yours? My number ten is the uh, chase scene through the TV in Shocker. Oh, I think this was like my number 11. I, I had to, this almost made my top 10. You know what, I, I, I changed it around. This was moment. my number 11, but I've just changed it around at the last moment. But yeah, I think this is a great scene. Really fun and goofy. And really goofy for a movie that plays it pretty straight throughout most of it, except for like a few scenes. Yeah, like the kid being possessed. Yeah. Was a, was a very goofy moment. No, no. But I agree for the most part. That's played really straight. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, but I agree. <laughs> part part of the joy of watching Shocker is how just the tonal whiplash you go through. Where <laughs> it's just like when it wants to be a serious, brutal movie, it is. When it wants to be an all-out farce, it's also that. And it's just it. Your brain doesn't know what to make of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, this scene <laughs> for me, this scene kind of made the movie. Uh, it was just great. I mean, I liked uh, what was his name, Mitch Pileggi, Pileggi, throughout the movie. Yeah. But yeah, this... you're an X-Files guy. I never saw X-Files. Yeah, but no, this is just a great scene. All right, so my number nine, another musical performance, and it's the Sex Mutants playing the song Killer Machine from Dr. Alien. <laughs> yeah. This one, not a whole lot to say about it. It's just fun and stupid. Yeah, that's, I mean, the song is fun in its own, like, heavy metal, kind of almost punk rock kind of way. But, I mean, it's a dumb scene. It's a dumb movie. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. You know, you're right. Dumb scene, dumb movie, but it's definitely a fun scene. 
and it, that scene I, also I was comes waiting for you nowhere. to say and it's like and it's my number two <laughs> No, no. <laughs> but that scene also comes out of nowhere, you know? Uh, I don't even remember the main character's name, but he's like, hey, come to the bar and watch my band play. Wesley Littlejohn. Oh, that's it, yeah. Little John. yeah. Great pick. Well, my number nine is something completely different from that. It is the scene where Bond kills Professor Dent in Dr. No. Okay, that is the best scene of Dr. No. I yeah. definitely remember saying that. Other than maybe when the spider is on the glass. That's <laughs> yeah, that's number one. This scene made the list because this is the first time we see in Dr. No how competent <laughs> Bond is and how cold and calculated he can be too. There's a great line where after Dent comes in, empties his clip at the pillow James Bond in bed. Bond is questioning him and then Dent tries to shoot him again, but his gun is empty, right? And mm-hmm. Bond replies with, that's a Smith and Wesson and you've had your six. And he just like plugs him twice yeah. and kills him. It was so cool. Yeah, it's the best scene in the movie. But honestly, not that close to my top 10. But, that you know, we had some good movies. So so my number eight is a bit of a random one. This is the shortest scene in my top 10. It is the flashback to Dolomite being arrested <laughs> from the film Dolomite. This is, I mean, it's it's like a minute and a half. It's two minutes because, because it's during a scene of exposition when the warden is talking to him. And is it like Ma... Mama B or something? Yeah, Queen yeah something B? like that. Qu- Queen B, yeah. It's, it's, it's a name like that. Anyways, we see Dolomite get arrested <laughs> where they find Coke in his trunk, and he gets very angry. He's, you're going to have to take me. <laughs> and then some of the worst kung fu fighting you've ever seen where actors are very clearly forcing themselves to fall over when Dolomite somewhat <laughs> hits them. It's great stuff. It was my favorite moment of the Dolomite movie. I don't know if it was yours, but I really enjoyed that scene. Yeah, that's honestly one of my favorite scenes from that movie. And it's just so stupid. And I also like that it wasn't even just Coke that they found in his car. It was stolen furs and Coke. He's like, oh, and then another part too. When they, when they, yeah, when they find it, his reaction is just that shit ain't mine. And I'm like, I just love the way he says that. Again, every line delivery from Rudy Ray Moore in that movie is just incredible. It's just so funny. My number eight. It's all of the workout scenes in Killer Workout. Oh Jesus! (laughs) These would have been in my bottom ten again. It's just, just so not stupid. As, not as bad as the baby. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and totally take up like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie, all these workout scenes. And it's just I mean, so they stupid. don't really, but... No, it know, feels like it, though. It kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just like laughing at them, and that's why they're on my list. They are funny. I'll give, I'll give you that. My number seven is from A Nightmare on Elm Street when Tina shows up in a body bag when Nancy's at school. This is starting really with the kid reading the speech, the Shakespeare speech, and he starts going to a whisper. Everything from that, even though I don't like the hall pass part, we discussed Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Everything about that body bag just sliding across the floor, it's so creepy. It's my favorite scene from a movie that I really, really, really like, so I kind of had to find room for it in the top ten. I don't know if this is the right spot, the right number, but... You know, I have to agree with you uh, how great it is, because that's my number three. All right. I really enjoy it, especially from that part where that kid starts reading Shakespeare up till yeah, up till that dumb hall pass bit. But just a great scene. It's terrifying, actually. That that's another scene where they did the. Um, it's unsettling. It is, yeah. And they also did that switch between the dream world and reality very well. Yes, that's probably the most effective kind of transition mm-hmm. in that movie. All right. So what's your number seven? 
all of the Bruce Lee fight scenes. Now, I was going to pick a specific scene, like a specific Bruce Lee fight from Game of Death, mm-hmm. but I just thought I'd lump them all in together. It's, you know, in that movie, that's what people really wanted to see. That's what everybody who goes I to see Bruce Lee I disagree. I think movie. they wanted to see Bruce Lee's funeral. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll tell you who didn't want to see it, the Bruce Lee estate. Yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's like a great three fights. It's just so cool. Bruce Lee is so cool. Yeah, I, I don't have to say much else. It's just super cool. Yeah, this is my number four. Although I did specifically pick the Bruce Lee and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fight, but really, I mean, it is the three fights consecutively. The Kareem one would have been my favorite of the three. Yeah. But yeah, great stuff. And it really makes you realize what you've been missing out on, you know, the previous hour or so of the movie. (laughs) We've had good action, but not quite that good. All right, so my number six is another fight scene. James Bond versus Red Grant aboard Mm. the orient express from from russia with love yeah great scene it's just so much fun it's this is the scene more than any other scene in from russia with love that really makes you think like this was only a year later than dr no yeah this is by the same director as dr no this is so much more fluid than any of the action in dr no not i mean there isn't much action in dr no but like this scene it's intense it's fast paced it looks like people are actually hitting each other it's probably stuntmen throughout most of the scene because we have the lights off for most of it but it's just it's a really good fight scene it's one of my favorites in all of film really yeah, and I, I think the thing that makes it so interesting is that they're kind of stuck in one tiny cab or like one tiny... Yeah. Well, yeah, the trains are not incredibly spacious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if they're in the hallway, there's not much room and there's not much room in the cab. And yeah. And this is also a scene where Bond makes use of some of his secret agent gadgets. Which I was about to say that. Yeah, this is because every Bond movie other than Dr. No, here... Here's this gadget thing that you probably don't need, but maybe you'll need to use it during a fight scene with Red Grant. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's just because it's the first time we see that. But to me, it's one of the most fat, one of the most satisfying like reincorporation bits in the series. Mm-hmm. I even like how that scene begins, where Bond is suspicious of Red Grant because he says, "You ordered fish, or you ordered red wine with fish." <laughs> oh, that seems dumb. I, I actually don't like that because, like, I like that a lot. well, I mean, I kind of like it because it's Bond gets a chance to be a fucking snob about things. But like, really, if that was truly what tipped Bond off, I think he's just kind of saying that now that he's caught. But if that's really what tipped Bond off, and like, oh god, then Red Grant's an idiot, you know? Yeah. Well, but then like, again, Red Grant does have the upper hand, so I think Bond is just kind of saying that, like, oh, I should have known. Yeah, I, I think Red Grant has the upper hand in. Almost all of their interactions. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. And Bond is like, ah, you're not a true gentleman, idiot. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so what's your six? Well, my six is also another fight scene, and that's the locker room fight scene from Game of Death. You had this above the actual Bruce Lee I did, yeah, because I really... fucking monster. (laughs) I just really enjoyed it. There was something about it. I just thought the fighting was really cool. There's that awesome flip. Yeah, that, that, that might be the, the coolest the little moment in that. I agree with that. That yeah. moment's great. And this this was a great fight scene. This is the best, for me, this was the best non-Bruce Lee fight in the movie. I don't think we spent that much time on it when we did our podcast. I think we, we probably spent more time on the motorcycle scene. Yeah. But yeah, this one's great. Yeah, and I mean, and, and this scene blows all the other non-Bruce Lee fight scenes out of the movie. And for me, the Bruce Lee fight scenes, 
yeah, there was just something about it. It was almost like, I don't know, I can't even describe it. It was just really cool. It was like what I wanted to see out of like a kung fu movie. My number five is a, I guess you could call it a guilty pleasure scene because this is, well, I guess Killer Machine was really my first guilty pleasure scene (laughs) in, in, in this list. But this is a scene that is by no means good, but just kind of like, because of the movie it's in and because it's so different from the rest of the movie it's great and that is the work montage scene in silent night Deadly Night. <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that <laughs> it's so incredible this is the montage to end all montages and it's played out like it's an intro to an 80s sitcom like a family values type yeah. 80s sitcom yeah. and it's got this wholesome song that if you listen to the entirety of the song, it, it is a Christmas song. I don't think you really get that vibe from the scene because you don't hear all of the song. And it's just in the middle of this movie about a guy losing his mind and murdering people when he dresses up as Santa <laughs> Claus. Like, the juxtaposition there is just incredible. Yeah, I agree. It's, uh... <laughs> The juxtaposition is incredible. Yeah, it's it's a great scene. It didn't make my, uh, my top ten, but it, it's a great little scene in that movie. My five is taking the bandages off in The Invisible Man. Okay, this was not in my top ten, but this is a very good pick. I like this. I mean, I like the whole kind of little lead up to the scene where they call the constable in. I love Claude Rains, his acting in it, and his kind of maniacal laughter and the running around the room. Also, the special effects for this era, absolutely amazing. Absolutely, yeah. And it all just kind of leads to a creepy scene where you see him beginning to unmask himself and you kind of see how weird he looks without his hat on. He's got the hair sticking out. You know, he takes his glasses off and you realize that there's just nothing there. And then that leads into another great scene, the causing havoc in, in the village. Yeah, that's, you know? yeah. If you lump those all together, yeah, which which I'll let you do because we're, we write our own, we play by our own <laughs> roles here. But yeah, that whole, because it's funny too. You didn't mention how funny this whole bit yeah. is. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Where they're, uh, where the, what, what did the constable say? How am I supposed to cuff a shirt? <laughs> oh yeah. No, I was thinking more when he steals the old man's hat and oh, yes, steals that. a guy's bicycle and rides it a couple meters and then just throws it to the ground. <laughs> I was thinking more of that stuff, but yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's a great little scene. All right, so I already mentioned my number four was Bruce Lee versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a.k.a. Lou Cinder, a.k.a. Hakim, I think is his character's yeah. name in the movie. So what's your number four? Godzilla destroying Tokyo for the first time, I guess, uh, which might be... Oh, fuck you. Time. This is my number one. Oh, see, I have Godzilla well, destroying I, Tokyo actually, and Jet Hang fight. on. We might actually be talking about different scenes. I'm talking about the longest destruction scene, which is probably what you're talking about when he takes out the train... I'm and it's talking... after they try and get him with the big telephone poles. I'm talking that scene. That's my number. Yes, one. yes, that's that my yeah, that, okay. yeah, that's my number four. And and you also get like the jet fight in there where they have like the jets on like the little on the fishing line and they're shooting yeah, rockets when he's at him. Yeah, wading through the bay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some really great miniature work. Some really not that great miniature work here and there. Like the cars never look very good. But just, it's great. I mean, there's something absurdly satisfying about seeing somebody in a rubber monster costume go, <laughs> just stomp on a city with all these miniature buildings. And in black and white, it's convincing enough. It gets more and more ridiculous as the series goes on, you know, into the <laughs> 70s, and you're going pure schlock with the Godzilla movies. But this stuff, it's all played straight. It's terrifying in its own way and it's you know not dissimilar from kong going through the city in new york in the original king kong when he 
throws a woman out of a building and he steals <laughs> yeah. Ray, and then he all he also messes with the train in that one too so yeah I, like i'm just amazed at how well most or pretty much all of the destruction was done like there's a scene where he steps on a bridge and you can see that the bridge crack yeah. and start to crumble like, yeah that's great just the attention to detail there is amazing yeah, so that's, I mean, it's my number one. It it was actually a last minute change to move it to number one, but. I'm looking at my three, which was the body bag scene from A Nightmare on Elm Street, and maybe I should have switched those around. Well, too late. <laughs> and my number three is another guilty pleasure scene. It's my most enjoyable guilty pleasure scene of the season. My number three is the baseball scene from Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> This is another uh, not not unlike the the work montage at the toy store. This is kind of a, like what are you doing in this movie scene? <laughs> yeah, because it's a complete time waster. It's yeah. a complete filler. Nothing important happens in this scene, but at the same time, it's just these kids swearing at each other, and the lines of dialogue are just hilarious. And it's so weird too to see these like. 10-year-olds beat these 30-year-olds in a game of baseball. It's just so much fun. <laughs> and it's the epitome of just how amateur this movie is, you know? Yeah, it's almost like they filmed the entirety of the movie and then realized they were like 10 minutes short, maybe 15 minutes yeah, short. Yeah, it really does yeah. feel it that way. And that's that's why it's my number three. <laughs> it's a great scene. Again, something that didn't make it into into my top 10, but definitely a great scene. All right, so you said number three was Tina, body It bag. was, yeah, yeah. So why don't you give us your number two? Yes, sir. It's the torture scene from Audition. Hey, we got one in common. Wow. This is my number two. Yeah, and I mean, I wrote This was brackets. close to being one. Baseball baseball scene from Sleepaway Camp was close to being one also, but I want Godzilla. But this scene is fantastic. Yeah, in brackets next to my notes are Tika 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 T or whatever she whatever she was saying. That's just I think it's a, like kitty kitty kitty. I think it's I think it starts with the K. Either way, it's just an awful awful scene, and uh, she's such a terrifying person and disgusting. Yeah, really. <laughs> I'm 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 really including the last fifteen or twenty minutes of the movie too because the scene that to me made this when I first saw it stand out as the scariest movie I had ever seen was mostly when the guy shows up and he's missing half his oh, fingers yeah. he's missing his tongue if you include that in here too maybe it should be number one. Oh, and the vomit too i feel good about having it at two with my top two being <laughs> the japanese scenes you know yeah because yeah. because <laughs> this is this is what japanese cinema is all about at least at least to someone like me it's about horrific acts of torture and things you would never ever want to see <laughs> and it's about people in monster costumes stomping on miniatures <laughs> That's the entirety uh, of Japanese cinema. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I haven't seen any Kur- Kurosawa movies. I'm sorry. This uh, is what I've seen. And I love it. <laughs> I mean, I love I love the both movies, obviously. But yeah. All right. So what is your number one? This is kind of like um, uh, I I've thrown like four scenes together. Okay, so it's I was going to, I was going to guess it's the dick in Sleepaway Camp. I was that I was that was my guess, but <laughs> no, um, no, no, it's not that. <laughs> no, that would have been a great that would have been a great number one though. My number one is from The Vast of Night, and I've oh I, I've okay. combined a bunch of scenes together because I couldn't choose at the end of the day. It was the opening long shot of okay. like the main character walking into the gym and meeting uh, uh, Faye and stuff like that and walking away. Okay. The switchboard scene with her on the switchboard, talking to Billy in the radio station, and then talking to the old woman near the end of the movie. All right, so this great 
podcast on drive-in movies we have, you pick your number one is the most artistically ambitious movie <laughs> we do. That's not at all an. Well, I just not at all a drive-in movie. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's from it. It's got that aesthetic of drive-in movies. Uh, in a, in a way, sure. <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, I like the movie, and I really like the scene in in the radio station. The long shots in the movie felt a little. Look what I can do. I'm the director. To mm-hmm. me. I took that in a different way because he's a first-time movie director. So maybe he was just like, hey, I want to create something really nice and pretty to look at. and, and Yeah, I mean, it's all well done. I, yeah. I'm not going to fault the movie there. Yeah, but I mean, the opening long shot, that's everything you want from an opening shot like that. Like, it establishes where you are, all the characters, the town, the people, the era, the switchboard scene. It's just a really interesting, like, nine-minute scene. A Faye working the switchboard. It's really cool. Uh, talking to Billy, I'm just... Sorry, like, I was snoring. I doze off. <laughs> talking to Billy, I'm just like glued Billy to the screen. Billy, Billy scene is the best scene in the movie, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, it's fantastic. And then the old woman, too. I was just glued to the screen when she's like talking about their town at like the turn of the century and stuff and how she had a kid. Yeah, who... I don't like old people. <laughs> yeah. So what's your number one? Although they're not as bad as babies because <laughs> the worst scene of the season was was baby centric i will say that oh absolutely yeah (laughs) all right so how about our top 10 original songs vocal songs because i don't know how many of these were truly original for the movie but jim why don't you start us off with your 10th favorite original song an asterisk because we have no idea if half these are original yeah yeah now i'm gonna ask can you guess what it is it's from one of my favorite movies from this it's a killer workout song i'm assuming but i don't <laughs> yeah. know which one it is yeah aerobicide <laughs> it's great okay that is i have two killer workout songs in my list this one wasn't one of them but wow aerobicide. yeah this is this is played during like one of those montages of, it is like, yeah the, <laughs> softcore pornographic <laughs> workout scenes oh yeah that's no, great it's catchy it makes the exercising scenes even more funny and uh yeah it's just great <laughs> mm-hmm. well i mean this is this movie is a legitimately very fun soundtrack even if it fails at everything else it does which it <laughs> arguably does because number 10 is also for me from killer workout and it's rock and rock by sunny hilden Rock and rock. I don't even remember when this plays, but this has popped up on like my YouTube recommendations every <laughs> now and then when I listen to. That's unsettling, by the way. That it's popping the up other on song <laughs> from this movie that I have in my top ten that we'll get to eventually. But this is a fun song. It's just just look it up on YouTube. I gave you the artist's name. You have all the information you need to know. It's a very fun song. Well, a song for me that's also really fun and really catchy i've actually put it on my phone since watching this movie it's a long time woman by pam greer that's my number nine for the big doll house all right this was this was a good one yeah it's kind of like it's like a would you even be able to call it like a like a funk it's kind of like a 70s funk right yeah i was actually going to ask you what genre you would consider it because i i don't know if it's quite a funk song i mean it's not like the dolomite theme or anything like that but yeah i don't know maybe it's funk it's kind of like rock rock and a little soul like maybe it's like what hall and oats used to call their music it's rock and soul rock and soul (laughs) yeah trademark daryl hall 1981 i don't know (laughs) is is rock and soul like billy bass you know is it just a is it a fish on the wall (laughs) billy bats that's oh i oh the billy bass i thought you said billy bats the guy that (laughs) joe pesci beats to death in goodfellas Yeah, I just pictured like <laughs> like a breaded fillet of soul on the wall singing to you, like Billy Bass. 
Good Pam Greer song, not in my top 10. Although the best song that, to my knowledge, that Pam Greer has sung. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if she had a music career or just happened to do the one song, but my number nine is from a scene we've already talked about. It's The Warm Side of the Door by Morgan Ames, which is the Joe Cocker sound, Joe Cocker ripoff sounding song from the work montage in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, this isn't, this one, maybe I shouldn't have this one because it's really, it's the scene that makes it. I mean, it's a decent enough song. <laughs> that was it's, my number 11, by the way. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. No, I mean, it's a decent enough song. It's not great. But again, just the context of when you hear this song in the movie is kind of what pushes it into my top 10. This song should be a theme song for like an 80s, 90s family sitcom. Yeah, I mean, it, it has that sound to it. Again, again, it is a Christmas song. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> or listen listen to the lyrics they talk about christmas a little bit i mean it because it's like it's like it's always christmas on the warm <laughs> side it's it's something like that i don't know uh. they mentioned christmas at least once <laughs> well my number eight has nothing to do with christmas it's gi blues by elvis it's just okay. a great song this it's it's a fun song most of the most of the rest of my list i think is elvis songs this song is not one of them though Wow, really? It's a good song. This would be like my fourth or fifth best from the movie. Now, I like the song on its own. I have, or I had the G.I. Blues record. I gave it to my grandmother for her birthday one year because she loves Elvis. Idiot! I know, I know. I love the song on its own. The scene that it's in, I also really like where they're playing at the bar. The only thing I don't like about that scene is how, like, Elvis's... It's a bad performance. Yeah, yeah. It's like a bad it's, musical performance. It's a bad performance, but it's also like in that scene, uh, the vocals aren't lined up perfectly with his mouth Oh, not, not even close. And it, it looks like Elvis is going through the motions. Yes, yeah. But, uh, but I agree. Good song. The song's better than the scene. My number eight is also a G.I. Blues song, and it's Doing the Best I Can. Okay, yeah. This is, when, this is another bar performance. It's not this scene. It's later. But I enjoy this song a lot. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember what scene that was. Was that... Uh... I think it's his first song that he performs in Frankfurt, if I remember right. Oh, okay. My number seven is also an Elvis song, and it's uh, Shopping Around. This is my number seven as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fun little song. It's uh, it's just got that 50s vibe, you know? Yeah. This is one of two songs in the movie G.I. Blues that sounds like it's approaching 50s Elvis. Yeah. Because Hollywood Elvis was a lot more pop, less rock and roll. But this being his first big post-military service movie, there's a little bit of a bridging of those kind of two periods. And, and this song is, is a good. It, it's, it's much more produced than his 50s stuff, but it still kind of sounds like that a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be on the B side of like an, a 50s Elvis record. And, and you'd hear it at like, at like soda hops, you know? <laughs> Sure, why not? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I never went to one of those. Uh, yeah. My number six is kind of in that same era, I guess, but I guess actually a little later. It's From Russia With Love by Matt Monroe. Okay. This didn't make my top 10 and probably wasn't that close. I think I would have had Aerobicide above this. It's an okay song of the James Bond themes. This is pretty middle of the road for me, maybe even yeah. slightly lower than top half. I mean, listen. I'd put it slightly lower. It's miles better than Another Way to Die or Die yeah. Another Day. I mean, there there have been some bad ones, and this definitely isn't a bad one. But this is far cry from like Goldfinger. Or exactly, Skyfall, yeah. You know I, what I mean? 
The thing you can say about this is that it's boring compared to most other Bond songs. As you said, like Goldfinger is just got it's just got such a great sound, you know, such a great vibe. To oh go yeah, Gold Goldfinger is like you don't hear songs like that, or you you didn't even back then. It's just so unique. Who performed it? Shirley Bassey. Shirley Bassey. Yeah. Although my great favorite lady. performance of that song is Alan Partridge when he's strolling <laughs> over to the to the BP garage along the. <laughs> along the motorway uh, so <laughs> alright number 6 for me is Killer Machine by the Sex Mutants from Dr. Alien oh my god that's my number 3 <laughs> okay this is a legitimately decent song yes yeah I agree like for what it is it's like this kind of stupid heavy metal kind of thing I mean it's okay <laughs> Yeah, first, a musical number that comes out of nowhere in a silly, stupid movie, it's pretty good. It exceeded all expectations. All right, hit me with your number five. My number five is Pocket Full of Rainbows in G.I. Blues. This is my number one. It's so great. This is notably not dissimilar from Crawfish from King Creole, which (laughs) I would probably have in my top 10 Elvis songs. It's another duet where Elvis does 90% of the work and the woman will just (laughs) sing like one word. That's what Crawfish is. That's what this song is. This is not in my top 10 Elvis songs, but this is probably in my top 20 or 25. You know, I wasn't going to put this on my list because I really didn't like that scene in G.I. Blues. But on your recommendation, actually, I went back and I listened to it. Fantastic song. Beautiful song. Sounds mm-hmm. great. Honestly, Again, Elvis's song. voice never sounded better than it did for this soundtrack, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's just fantastic. And that's why it made it to my list. All right, my number four is Knockout from Killer Workout. This is by <laughs> Robert Michaels and Lisa Duran. That's what YouTube is telling me anyways, or maybe IMDb whenever I looked it up. This is the song that plays when Ted, I almost said Ted Danson, when Ted Pryor's taking out the garbage his first day on the job and he meets that woman who I think is the most attractive woman in the cast. This song starts in that scene Mm -hmm. and it continues to play as they go on their date and he uses the phone in the backyard for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, and this is a it's it's background music because it's playing like oh no no maybe that's when it starts maybe it starts when he starts dialing the phone I don't remember but it, I mean I'm sure most songs do it takes us through a bit of a workout montage at some point but it, this is a very very fun song a lot of energy it's my personal favorite from the the movie yeah you know I I think I'm gonna have to go back and re-listen to. Uh... <laughs> the songs you've mentioned from Killer Workout because I don't really remember them, but I do remember grooving along to all the music. My number four, not really a grooving song, it's Shocker by the Dudes of Wrath from Shocker. Oh shit, did we skip number five? Because this is my number five. <laughs> I don't remember saying anything about <laughs> oh, this. Oh yeah, so you skipped sk- number five. What was your my, number five then? My five was Pocket Full of Rainbows. Okay, yeah, so I just didn't do my number. This is my number five. Apologies. <laughs> yeah, this is such a fun song though. It is, yeah. It's, it's a, great a super group consisting of people I couldn't give two shits about. There's a guy <laughs> from Kiss. There's a guy from Van Halen. Like, I don't care because I don't like that kind of music. But this song is just so much fun. It, and it's a great way to just start the movie. You get that guitar. I love a good movie theme song where they say the name of the title. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to do when there's one word. But, like, that kind of... You know, it's it's the Ghostbusters thing, right? That's probably the best known example. Yes, yeah. But like, we we, we kind of miss that. I miss that in movies. 
Yeah, there's something so simple, but just so perfect. I feel like it, Will yeah. Smith was kind of the end of an era, and we didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> Will Smith oh. with Wild Wild West and Men in oh, Black. No. I feel like movie theme songs have not been the same since. Great song. Okay, let's do your number three then. I already mentioned it, it was Killer Machine. So what's your number three? Frankfurt Special. Oh my Elvis god. Aaron Presley. That's my number this two. This is the other song from this the soundtrack that sounds very fifties. Yes, yeah. This is basically the Sun Sessions with a higher cost in production. This is Mystery Train but with some electric guitar, basically. It, it sounds very similar to that. Got a rockabilly kind of riff to it. And it's a lot of fun. And this is, for me anyways, this is also the most enjoyable performance. Well, other than, <laughs> other than the puppet one, of course, other than Wooden Heart. This is one of the most enjoyable performances in the movie. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a great, it's a, it's a fun scene where he sings it. It does have that 50s sun vibe. And you know this about me, Patrick, but probably nobody else. I am a huge fan of Johnny Cash. Also yes. a huge fan of all of his train songs or songs involving trains i think trains are a great subject for country music and bluegrass music and blues music too yes blues music too you're right and i also love this song because of that i think the frankfurt special is a great name for a song great subject matter fun scene great tune great everything all right so i have just apparently realized that my number two is a song that i had on here twice so folks you're only getting nine songs from me Because uh, I had doing the best I can on here twice for some reason. So I don't know. Maybe we want to throw a robicide in at number 10 and just move everything else up. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's okay. We've we've already got your number one, and that's the one that really counts. And that was uh, Pocket Full of Rainbows, right? Yes. Well, my number one is, uh, I, I kind of feel stupid saying this, but it, I just think it's a great song. It's Strange Brew by Ian Thomas, the brother of Dave Thomas. And uh, I think it's just a great song. I don't think this is in my top 20. Oh my god. Really? It's it's like it's a song. It's like whatever. Well, I got a question for you. Have you listened to the record version only on YouTube or the version from the movie? Uh like I'm supposed to remember? I don't know. <laughs> well, cuz my dad has the record, so I popped by, grabbed the record, threw it on my record player. Doesn't sound nearly as good as the version from the movie, and I don't know why. Like I I I don't know if they mixed it differently or something, but the version in the movie is just fantastic. I love it. It's kind of like a rush style or like it's it's from that like rush era, you know what I mean? Oh, so it sucks. <laughs> Oh, you prick. Ah, whatever. Strange Brew oh, no, by Ian Thomas. Oh, no, hang on. I, I just realized, I've, since I only have nine songs, I've got to make a new number 10 here off the cuff, and I'm going, whatever the name of that song is, and, oh, it's Sitting Here at Midnight, from or Sitting Here, it's some song, it's a title like that from Phantasm. It's the song that Reggie and Jody are, oh, are jamming yeah. to. I was hoping it would be Strange Brew, but that's not in your It's better than Strange Brew. Oh, get out of here. That's a great it's song. It's a minute and a half long, and it's better than Strange Brew. <laughs> Take that back, you meanie. All right, so we've got two lists to go through here still, and we're doing best kills this time. Jim, do you want to start us (laughs) off with our best kills? I would also, actually, before you do that, I'm sorry. Yeah. I would like to point out one thing that I consider when doing a best kills list. For me, like a moment of victory when, like, let's say the killer is killed, like, okay, someone is killed, it's a kill. I don't put those kinds of things in this list. To me, these are, because that's like more of a moment where of like triumph. That's mm-hmm. a different kind of emotional beat than what I'm looking for in these kind of scenes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel a moment of triumph when that dude in the wheelchair goes down the the Odessa steps <laughs> in Friday the 13th part two. But I mean, you know what I mean here? Yeah. Like, 
Because there's there's a couple scenes here where the where the villain there's there's two that I can think of where the villain gets killed at the end of the movie and and it's a great moment and it like could have cracked my top ten but I just want it, just in case those are in your list that'll kind of explain why they're not in mine I don't know I've really only technically got one of those does it involve a corkscrew no okay it's not the one I was thinking of <laughs> <laughs> no but Jim why don't you start us off well I just want to say. When I came up with this list, I came up with kills that stuck in my head, that like really stuck in my head. Just like that machete in the wheelchair guy. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk about him yet. He's coming up on the list. Uh, oh, but... mine too. Mine too. Don't <laughs> worry. But my number 10 is the arrow through Kevin Bacon's neck in Friday the 13th. This is my number five. Now, see, I have it. I mean, because I remember we spoke about it and you were saying something like, it's not your favorite kill in the movies. But in in that me. movie, it is. It's not my favorite in this series. Mm-hmm. I enjoy Jason punching people's heads off on the top <laughs> of Vancouver rooftops. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, th- this kill is just so neat. I think it was done really well. And as you pointed out, I think like the makeup, where like it, it looks kind of goofy. Uh, From for one angle, second. it looks incredible. From one angle, it looks silly. Yeah. But there's also just something so terrifying about a hand coming up from under your bed and grabbing your forehead and shoving an arrow through the back of your neck and coming out the front. Yeah, it's classic. Is this the only arrow through a neck kill in your top 10? Yes, it is. All right, it's mine too. I wasn't sure if you're going to have the sleepaway camp one though. No, I like I like that though when Hugh Hefner. That's the best kill in that movie. But I, it's it's for me anyways. It was nowhere near a top 10 Mm -hmm. here. My number 10 is Johnny Depp gets sucked into a bed and gets spat up in a fountain of blood. Dude, that just missed my list. That was number 11. It's it's an incredibly goofy kill because I always have a problem with when there's just like blood and it's kind of disconnected from from anything else. Mm-hmm. I.e. the shining elevator scene. Because yeah. at this because there's a, a cut and we see Nancy screaming before we just see blood spit up from the bed. But it's like terrifically creative too, and it's just it's just neat. Yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I saw A Nightmare on Elm Street, that was probably the kill that stood out the most for me just because it's unexpected and it's visually stunning. Like watching all that blood just kind of shoot yeah, it's up neat. to the ceiling. Although it is not the best kill in the movie, and I think no. you'll agree with that. Yes, I agree. Now, my number nine, uh... <laughs> this is one of my favorite kills. It's deaf Father O'Brien being shot dressed as Santa in front of orphans in Silent Night. Oh, Deadly night. Wow. Okay. So you're going for the emotional impact deaths, right? <laughs> this character yeah. we've never met. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> the best scene, or the best part about this scene is that it just gets worse and worse as it continues. Like the cops show up, they're calling, hey, you stop. They, they think it's, uh, they think it's, what's his name? What's his name again? Billy. Yeah, they think it's Billy. Stop, stop. He's in front of orphans. They shoot him dead. And you go, oh, no, this wasn't this wasn't Billy. This was some poor old priest who was shot dead in front of orphans. That's terrible. Oh, my God. He was also deaf, so he couldn't hear the cops tell him to and, stop. And it's right in front of Ricky, <laughs> Billy's little brother, like right yeah. in front of him. Yeah, it's great. There is something tremendously humorous about that moment. I'll give you that. <laughs> poor Father O'Brien. So my number nine, the double impalement after sex in Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, that's a good one. It's short but sweet. We don't see a whole lot. There was a lot edited out for this scene, but there's enough. We, we we know what happens. It's pretty great. The idea of it, I don't want to say it's creative because it was done in a bay of blood and done better and more graphically there, but just the concept of just people... <laughs> 
getting impaled together like a fucking shish kebab when they're having sex. Like, that's there's something fun about that. Yeah, and it also, like, serves to show how powerful Jason is, like how strong he is or something, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I don't guess. know. It, it's... Or just how physics don't work in a slasher movie. A little well, bit that, of that too. Yeah. Cool kill, though. My number eight is, I'm almost positive, going to be much further up your list than it is on mine. It's Linnea Quigley on Deer Antlers from Silent Night, Deadly Night. Number one. This was, I was debating this back and forth between one and two with something else. And then I realized I forgot something. So this actually really would have been a debate between this being one, two, or three. But I did put it number one. It's just going back to just creative ways, creative scenarios in which someone can be killed. It takes a serious weirdo to to come up with this kill. Yeah. I appreciate that. Exactly. And that's (laughs) that's the same reason why I appreciate it. It's just such a creative kill. I don't think I've ever seen another movie where somebody's been impaled on deer antlers. It's just really cool. Get out. I mean, it's I get out. It. He he stabs no, the, the, the you oh you haven't seen that no. okay yeah no he stabs the guy from it. the West Wing with a <laughs> with a deer head wow but yeah no this is it's great and it's Linnea Quigley being topless in it is like helps sell this and make it memorable yeah but to me this is a top ten kill regardless of that like oh, it's yeah, just so sure. weird and stupid and <laughs> <laughs> and yeah I don't know. But it, it probably would not be number one where she wearing a shirt. I'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. So number number eight for me is kind of a small one. And it's one that you could easily forget about from the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's a cop's throat getting slit in shocker. Oh, I thought about adding that one. This is early in the movie. This is our first big the, the raid on Mitch Pelegi's video. I thing repair store i don't know i don't mean yeah his like he's like an electrician or something he's got something mm-hmm. this is before he's an electricity ghost <laughs> so so that's why it's kind of like an easy one to, to forget about because like so much happens so much of the movie happens in the second half as far as throat slits go the effects this is incredible yeah it's and really it, really good it actually looks brutal great kill almost made my top 10 uh, my number seven is what I've titled The Backbreaker from Game of Death, where Bruce Lee's fighting that uh, that second, the oh, second yeah. okay. boss guy and just cracks his back over his knee. Such a cool scene. Such like Any movie where somebody gets their back broken over somebody else's knee is fucking awesome. Yeah, I didn't include this. I'll be honest. I, didn't, I wasn't thinking non-horror when doing this list. But that also reminds me of how there's something kind of silly to me about the deaths in that. And especially that was the one that stood out. I guess he strangles the guy with the nunchucks. Yeah. And he just chokes Kareem. Yeah, after blinding uh, him with sunlight. At some point. But like, <laughs> I don't know. To me, like, those are just fun kung fu fight scenes that I don't really want to see. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels weird to have them end in someone dying. Like, it's weird that they're yeah. fights to the death because they should, They feel like they should just be fights. I don't know. That's part of the reason I, w- I would not have this in there. But again, like I said, I just wouldn't have considered it otherwise. All right, so number seven, it sounds like it's higher in your list, but I'm going wheelchair guy, Friday the 13th, part two. <laughs> That's my number six. <laughs> One of the more absurd deaths in any of the movies we saw. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense where the machete comes from. No. <laughs> it doesn't make sense where why there are stairs there. I also... And it's just absurd, and that's what I love about this movie. I mean, this the Friday the 13th series is a celebration of excess. Yeah. 
and that's what this kill embraces. In my in my notes for this, I wrote wheelchair going 88 miles per hour. And it's because when he flies backwards down the stairs, there's that like awkward scene transition where they kind of like. Oh, yeah. Like kind of just like a freeze in. frame almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's jumped forwards or backwards in time. But yeah, it's great. The kill is silly, but it's just so unexpected. And I don't think it's meant to be funny. I think we can safely say that it's not meant to be funny, but I don't it's think just... we can safely say that. I think <laughs> I think for the most part, the movie is playing it relatively seriously. But I mean, the movie's having fun with itself. Yeah, I think a moment like that is the the stairs part at least is supposed to be a little funny. I think I don't maybe the machete to the face not so much, but the stairs they they're having a laugh with the stairs. <laughs> they're like, look at this wheelchair guy; he's finally going downstairs. <laughs> But yeah, so that was my number six. So what's yours? I'll call it the screwball from Phantasm. This is the, the silver ball drilling into <laughs> that one dude's head. That's my number five. <laughs> and draining him of blood. Yeah. So we're, we're going to have the same top seven, just different order, I guess. <laughs> I think so, maybe. Oh, yeah. no, this is so great. It's so creative. It's so absurdly gory. Yes. The rest of the movie really isn't. So it stands out. And, I mean, this is our first real introduction to what these silver balls can do. And it's horrifying. It's it's effective. Yeah, you know, and there's just something, like, so... I, I don't want to say, like, benign, because as soon as you see the silver ball, you're like, oh, that can't be good. But there's something, like, so sterile that you have absolutely no clue as to what it's, as to what it's capable of. And then you see those, like, little knives sprout out. And then after they stick in that guy's forehead and it just starts drilling into his skull and all the brain and blood starts shooting out the back of it. Like, it's just fucking disgusting. <laughs> it's Absolutely, so cool, yeah. though. It's so cool. All right, so number five for me was Kevin Bacon. Number five for you is the silver ball. Yeah. So what's your number four? My number four, uh, I doubt this made it on your list. It's Pyramid Head ripping the skin off that woman in Silent Hill. Nah, yeah, this is... This is maybe top 15 for me definitely not top 10 maybe it's like definitely my top five because I, I saw this movie when i was a lot younger but if there's something about it that's just so like horrific like he grabs her rips her clothes off and then grabs her chest like her bare chest and twists his hand and just rips all of her skin off in one tug and then throws it at like the church door it's just so disgusting and brutal yeah, I love the idea of someone being skinned in this fashion, but to me, this her being like held up CG, it it just doesn't work for me the way I want it to. Mm -hmm. It's also not that effective within the scene because Pyramid Head just kind of shows up, grabs this one woman, does this, and then the scene just continues. <laughs> Isn't this the last we see of Pyramid Head in the movie too? Um, yeah, I think so. So he only it, shows it, up I mean, after that woman little... throws rocks at the at the okay, yeah. creepy lady. Yeah, there's rock throwing. Him. Yeah, I don't know. This scene, this kill just, it didn't nail the landing for me. Yeah, I gotcha. So my number four, and looking at this list, I'm uh, like, how the hell is this just number four? But I think that speaks to the quality of the three that we have above it, because this is one of my favorite kills in any horror movie. It's Tina's death in A Nightmare on Elm Street when she... God. Damn it, that's my number two. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, it's great. And I again, I'm surprised it's not as high as number two or whatever for me, but that's when she's, we don't see Freddy, so she's just pulled up and then towards the ceiling and dragged around and there's blood everywhere, and it's just so incredible, and it's the first kill of the movie, and it's just like, wow. 
Yeah. And I think that's what makes it stand out even more. It's it's because it's the first kill of the movie. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, what kind of movie is this? Yeah. And it's not the first scene or anything. It's the first scene. Okay, nightmare. She wakes up. Big deal. But like, no, this is like, holy shit. We are not fucking around. Yeah, that's great. All right. So hit me with your number three. That is uh, Frank being torn apart in Hellraiser at the very end. Yeah, this is my number three as well. I was thinking wow. about having this as one. And then, as I mentioned, I, I realized I forgot one that belonged in the top three. So my number two is like the new edition. And I was debating between one and three for this one uh, with with uh, antlers. But yeah, this yeah. <laughs> this is ultimately my number three because it's briefer than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. It, you, the camera doesn't linger on him being torn apart. Yeah. You kind of see it. And then immediately we're with Christy closing the door behind her. And I don't know if we had seen just a little bit more of that. This might be number one, but yeah, it's it's a fantastic moment. It's my favorite moment of the movie. Yeah, I mean, other than maybe the rubber <laughs> puppet monster <laughs> attack. <laughs> yeah, the upside down scorpion. <laughs> yeah, the guy on a dolly track or whatever. Yeah, no, th- this scene, this scene is just this is like another one of those brutal scenes because you can see all those hooks through his skin and the, his like face skin has been stretched all the skin on his arms yeah the makeup uh, before he actually gets killed is is great it helps sell this yeah and and what does he say too when he dies he says and jesus Jesus wept wept. which i i mean like it's a classic moment and i remember it but i don't know why the hell he says it i I think we discussed this before i i don't know why that line's in the movie exactly me neither but it just for me there's just something like it just adds to the kill i don't know it's it's just such a cool kill all right, so you said your number two yes, was, was Tina. Tina. I have a feeling my number two is your number one then. Okay. And this is the kill that I almost forgot, and it's the chestburster. Oh, chestburster. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have any. You did forget it? <laughs> no, I didn't forget it. It's not on my list. <laughs> How the hell is that not in your top ten? This is an incredible, incredible moment. It is an incredible moment. I think it's great. But my oh god, is, is your number one going to be the alien hugging Tom Skerritt now? I'm worried. I don't. No, I have no, no idea no. what your number one is. <laughs> but yeah, the chestburster is just such a fantastic moment. I think you said back when we were talking about this movie that you wish you could have kind of seen this movie for the first time, not known this moment was coming. Yeah, and I agree. It's such a fantastic moment. It sticks out to you, and it's. Alien was far from my favorite movie that we watched, but man, this scene, I mean, there's a couple scenes in this movie that are just like, wow, they did, you know, this is great. Yeah, I, I really... Let's ignore the part where the alien gets pulled up by a, where the little chest person gets pulled by a fishing line as it disappears. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. whoop! I know, like that, that's what kind of ruins the scene for me, but also fucking Spaceballs ruins that scene for me. Oh, yeah, I see, I, I've seen Spaceballs probably once, so that doesn't really tarnish my enjoyment of this well you know as we know from our last episode i really like john candy so i've seen Spaceballs a lot and uh <laughs> i forgot he was in that yeah he plays barf <laughs> yeah well i know i mean i now that you mention it i'm like oh yeah but it's like when i think of john candy movies Spaceballs is like the 12th i think of you know yeah uh yeah i feel you <laughs> i think of the blues brothers first and he's barely in that <laughs> yeah Blue, yeah uh, never, i don't want to i don't want sister to with another john candy episode. all right so what's your number one <laughs> Because you're wrong in not having the antler kills, number one. Uh, my number one <laughs> is Dean Jagger falling off the roof in Game of Death. Okay, okay, <laughs> this is fair. Now, I want to say this This I actually did consider having, but I think I went all horror. <laughs> but this is fantastic. This is it's, great. I, I endorse amazing. this number one pick. 
<laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have it as number one myself, but I I, su- I support this decision. It is like it's just such the a Dean dumb... Jagger dummy. <laughs> this ninety-five-year-old dummy. He's like he's like the um. It looks like the uh. I might have mentioned this previously. I can't remember. But he looks like the old Six Flags mas- mascot that I think they used to call Mister Six or something. Where it's just like a, yes, yeah, a, a just like a normal person, but with comically old age makeup. And then oh. I guess it's funny that an old man dances like a young person. <laughs> but that's that's what this dummy looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's such an unexpected ending. To such a strange movie like oh yeah yeah <laughs> fake bruce lee falls him out onto the roof he takes one step onto the ladder and goes ah and he falls through like a neon sign <laughs> then the movie just ends it's oh, great yeah. it's, it's so <laughs> fantastic you're right yeah this that's a good pick that i can't complain too much about that and you know and i watched on youtube the clip of him accepting the oscar for uh whatever fucking movie he won it for um, game of death <laughs> but no he's an oscar winner for christ's sake no yeah i mean it, it, dean jagger it's like a name i know like okay he was a big deal in like the the 1870s or something like i knew he was a big <laughs> name but he's not a big he's not a big name in 1978 i can tell you that yeah i'm trying to i'm just oh, so that movie's quick. got two oscar winners in it because it's got the guy that murdered his wife too oh yeah him Gabe yeah young is that the best kill of the season <laughs> Murdering his oh wife? no by the way, Dean Jagger gig, won. Gig Young. Better <laughs> killer than Jason Voorhees. Killer for the season. Dean Jagger won Best Supporting Actor in 1950 for 12 O'Clock High. Never seen it. Oh, that's a Gregory Peck war movie. I've never seen it, but I know what it is. Uh, what I do want to know, though, Patrick, is your top 10 favorite movies from this season. I had kind of trouble. I don't want to say trouble, but this was difficult to do. And ultimately, I'm going by just how much I enjoyed these movies, not by mm-hmm. like how much I th- how much I think they're good. I think there's two movies in here in my top ten that are genuinely not very good movies, but they're very very fun to watch. So if you were to w- follow me on Letterboxd and see the because I have a list ranking the movies that we have seen based on their quality, it, this doesn't quite follow that top ten. It's similar, but two big outliers here. And the first one of them is my number ten. Number ten, Shocker. Oh, okay. This is not a good movie. It's absurdly <laughs> entertaining. It's 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 honestly it's a, it's a mess. The movie the movie is a mess. It it's so weird and it's so like jumbled in in what it's yeah. doing. It's like is it trying to be a comedy? Because at times it feels like it definitely is, and then other times it's genuinely serious and kind of threatening and scary. Mm-hmm. It's just weird. But it's also absurdly fun, and hell, this movie made me kind of like heavy metal <laughs> with, the, with this movie's soundtrack, and that's that's a feat. That's a great choice for number 10, because I think that on my honorable mentions uh, section of this, I think that was like number 12, 12 or 11, just missed okay. the list. My number 10 is Phantasm. That's my number 9. Here we go. Yeah, Phantasm. Uh, just again, it's I'd never seen it before. I was just blown away at how interesting oh, it was. Phantasmatic choice. <laughs> Shut Phantasmatic. up. Phantasm. I don't know. Boo. <laughs> no, Phantasm's great. It gets better every time I see it. First time I saw it, it's like, okay, this is good. This is interesting. But it didn't like suck me in. The more I've seen it, like the more I'm just like into this movie and it's weird semi-surrealist surrealism kind of thing it's sort of semi-david lynchian qualities yeah it's got a great score the tall man is genuinely one of the great horror villains ever i think yeah he's so spooky looking like he looks like what's the name of the butler for the adams family lurch 
Oh, Lurch. Yeah. Okay. He's like a combination of like Lurch and Frankenstein, which Lurch is like Frankenstein. But you know what I mean? Just yeah, with okay. better hair. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Lurch is. Yeah, okay, I don't know <laughs> where you're going with that. but Yeah, it's just great. I don't think we talked about this with Phantasm, but there's no Slender Man without the Tall Man, is there? Uh, yeah, I have no I mean, clue. it's not just the name. It's the he wears a suit. And like, yeah. I, I feel like every kid who's just like, wow, Slender Man is like the scariest thing ever. It's like, bro, just watch Phantasm. <laughs> yeah don't go out and stab your friend 25 times just watch phantasm it's great it's a great movie yeah the other thing i really like about it is just how bizarre it is like with all the dwarfs and like how they're the dwarves are like the one thing i don't really like that much in the movie see i don't like them that much but i like i like i'm interested about the whole fucking the the portal in the room where they have dwarves. yeah doing I, stuff. I, i'd be curious yeah, I, I want to say the sequels never quite expand upon it, even though they expand upon other things. But yeah, this this movie like still leaves a lot to your imagination, which is great. It's got some really effective scares, mm-hmm. even the ones that happen in dreams, which are like they usually feel cheap and somehow they really work in this movie. Yeah. All right. So what's your number nine? Well, uh, it's Friday the 13th, part two. Okay. This is not in my top 10, but it's a good one. This is in my upper half. I was debating whether or not to add this to the list, but I rewatched it and I just realized that it's such a fun movie. Like between the kills and Jason with a bag on his head and the people decent just like hanging characters. out at camp. Yeah, decent characters, decent story. Decent story? <laughs> There's no story. There's no story in any of the Friday the 13th No, but you know, but like, but like shit is going on, you know, like stuff's happening, you know? <laughs> yeah, things are happening. That's, that's the story. <laughs> So that was your, sorry, that was your number nine? Number nine, yeah. My number eight is The Invisible Man. Oh, that has just missed my list. Okay, this movie's great. It's really, really great. I've always enjoyed it. It might be my second favorite Universal Monster movie. It's definitely up there with some of the Frankenstein sequels. And I like The Wolfman a lot, but no, it's great groundbreaking effects a really great performance from claude rains in what i believe is his first both first american movie and first talkie mm-hmm. like he, he just plays the role so perfectly like other actors might have been able to do the maniacal thing that he could do but the way he is both threatening but also kind of funny too i i don't think too many actors in 1933 probably could have pulled that off quite as well no and he's also threatening but a gentleman you know when he comes in with yeah, like the smoking yeah, jacket on and stuff and yes well <laughs> please yeah, take a no, seat he's great <laughs> you know? he's claude rains i mean he's yeah he's not he's too many so monster good. movies star someone from casablanca in them you know so you gotta appreciate <laughs> yeah. the ones that do i want to say bogart's in like the mystery of the wax museum maybe and Cla- well claude rains is in the wolfman claude rains is in a few of them i think he's in the 1943 phantom and you know and we can't forget claude rains in lawrence of arabia I, I really like him in that. He's uh, Oh, yeah, my, like one of my favorite monster movies. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about monster movies. What the hell are you doing? Sorry, I just got caught up thinking about Claude Rains. I like him a lot. <laughs> T.E. Lawrence is a fellow of Jesus College. He's not a monster. Well, well he did he rewrite Seven Pillars of Wisdom, a triumph to have a, a Turkish rape scene. So yeah, make that what you well, will. You know, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what's your ship. number eight? <laughs> 
Killer Workout. And we all know my thoughts on Killer Fuck Workout. Sake. So, I, you know, I don't need to explain it. I love it. This, I'll say this. This was in the debate for being my fifth least favorite. <gasps> How dare you? How dare you? I ultimately chose Puppet Master. It was Puppet Master. It was Killer Workout. It was GI Blues. It was Alien and Dr. No. For all for different reasons. Like Alien, Dr. No, good movies. I just don't care that much for him. Puppet Master, I kind of like, just not a very good movie. S- same really as ultimately as uh, Killer Workout. In G.I. Blues, it was kind of like I couldn't forgive myself if I put it on this <laughs> movie in the bottom five. Uh, unless it, maybe it was Change of Habit or something, which, which we'll never do on our podcast. But yeah, no, Killer Workout, I do ultimately enjoy it. It's fun. It sucks, though. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible movie. It and, is, and but it's listen, such an enjoyable, in the terrible top 10. movie. I'm just, I'm just saying my thought process and why it would be in my bottom 10. Yeah, I get it. But, you know, again, it's 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 shitty, but it's really enjoyable. Patrick, you and I could sit down and have some drinks while watching this. With Killer Workout, you said it looked like the director was trying to make a porno movie and failed. <laughs> like, how was that in your top 10, though? Dude, I'll listen, because it's a hilarious movie. It's a great movie to just turn on and watch. <laughs> you don't have to laugh at that's generally what you do with movies yes but <laughs> oh, whatever number seven it was it was killer workouts uh partner when we did this way back in our first episode it was it's for me it's hush wow i knew you liked that movie i love this movie it's great it's i love kate siegel she's so good in this movie it's a really great performance i know i mentioned it has the feel of and not just because she's playing a disabled person and we all know the oscars love their their fake disabled people but like (laughs) it really feels like if this weren't a horror movie she would have been nominated for some kind of major award somewhere and obviously because it's horror and because it's straight to netflix maybe even like most people critics wise all that stuff aren't going to give much of a shit about it but Mm -hmm. it's really good it's got to be my favorite home invasion movie, right? It's 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 a genre I don't normally care all that much for, but I really like the main character. Kate Siegel gives her a lot of life, and it's very cleverly directed and cleverly written. It it really handles a lot of things early on. There's like reincorporation of a lot of things that we learn about her visually in those first couple scenes. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it, it's a great twist on the home invasion movie and. I do like that the movie does tension really well, especially early on when she's on her phone and then she's like lost her phone, but the killer's taken it. You know, it's, uh, she slowly works her way up out onto the roof. Like it's, it's just great. It's, it's a great fun ride that's tense and has a great payoff at the end. My number seven, in sharp contrast, is Strange Brew. I love this movie. I've loved it okay. since I was a kid. I love laughing at it. Uh, it's goofy. It's silly. I love the McKenzie brothers. And that's yeah. it. I like this movie up to a certain point. I think we discussed this, but I kind of, once we get to Superdog, I'm like, eh, I'm done. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. some of the movie is too goofy for me. Most of the movie isn't. I think it is a very funny movie. I, I do appreciate this. This did not make my top 10. It probably wasn't that close to my top 10, but it's it's top half, I think. This list was really hard for me to make because I had like the first three movies, like the, my top three, I mean. And then everything else I kind of really had to go through and think about. But after I really sat down and thought about it, I just love Strange Brew. I couldn't pass up on putting it in this list. Okay, well, I could. Number <laughs> six for me from Russia with Love. Oh, that's my number four. Okay, it's the best. It's far and away the. I mean, we've only watched two. But it's far and away the best James Bond movie we watched. 
it's one of the best James Bond movies ever. I would probably have it as my number three, although I'm curious in rewatching these for this podcast over years and years of episodes when we finally get up to like Skyfall and Spectre and hell, once No Time to Die actually comes out, if that will still be the case. Mm-hmm. But I love it. I love the Red Grant, James Bond dynamic. I love how he's always there. Bond has no idea he's there, but he's always lurking. I love when they finally meet and fight. It's great. Like the last half hour, 40 minutes is just like all action. And it's incredibly satisfying with, you know, the helicopter scene and everything. It's just a really, really great spy movie. It's great stuff. Yeah, this is the globetrotting James Bond adventure, or the first one, I guess. Yeah, it's it's just a lot of fun. Lots of action, like you said. I love the setting, especially of Istanbul. And I love... (laughs) And Scotland. That's not (laughs) actually... It's not supposed to be Scotland, but it's very clearly Scotland. Great movie. Well, my number six is Alien, a movie that you don't like. But I love (sighs) the aesthetics of it. That's really what it boils down to for me. The whole stranded in outer space with this kind of what is now like antiquated technology on this giant spaceship. I just think it's neat. I love looking at the movie. I love uh, Ian Holm. Lots of great actors, lots of great scenes. Yeah, the acting's very good. And of course, since we've done that episode now, Yafet Koto has passed. So it's worth pointing out. Uh, Mr. Big himself. Yeah, shame. Or Dr. Kananga slash Mr. Big, whatever. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Alien to me is the perfect movie to throw on if if you want to take a nap. It's very <laughs> slow. I mean, it has its moments. I recognized it as the second best kill of the season, okay? It's not like I want to shit on the movie entirely, but it's, you're right. It's just not my favorite. Number five for me. This is the other one like Shocker. I couldn't possibly argue this is top 10 in terms of quality, but God damn it, it is it top 10 in terms of enjoyment, and that is Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> I think it's it says something about the, the four movies above this and how much I love them that this isn't higher because I love Sleepaway Camp. It is so much fun. <laughs> it's just so wonderful. I love introducing new people to it. <laughs> love watching their reactions go from like, what is this to like, oh my God, this is incredible, you know? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not on my list, but I debated whether or not to put it on this list. Uh, Sleepaway Camp is just something that is so strange and bizarre. <laughs> and stupid and silly like it's a it's it's bizarre from the very first scene as in the Mm -hmm. people running over the children and father with a boat Mm -hmm. all the way up to angela being unmasked as a man with her penis out but also literally being literally masked yes (laughs) yeah Yeah, no it's it's a movie that combines kind of the some of the best things of like tommy wiseau some of the best things of like john waters And yeah. I guess like the best of Sean S. Cunningham because it's at times it's like a half decent horror thriller kind of thing in the woods. I mean, mostly it's just trash, but it's entertaining trash. And it has that weird creative element going for it, too, where it's not complete garbage. There is something creative going on. Yeah. And it makes it even stranger when you think about it, that there is something creative going on. But like, how did it turn out as kind of garbagey? The film was good enough to dedicate to the director's mother. So, you know, (laughs) it turned out pretty well. Yeah. What does that say about it? (laughs) All right. What's your number five? Also not on your list, but I happen to like a lot. Dr. No. You have, oh no, I was going to say you have this above From Russia. No, you have it higher than I had From Russia With Love, but you said From Russia With Love was your number four. Yeah, so Dr. No, I love. I just love Sean Connery. One of my favorite scenes that I've already mentioned is in Dr. No. Again, it's it's kind of like the island aesthetics of the early 60s espionage. It's just something super cool. (laughs) Ursula Andress. 
You know, I do, Ursula I just, I don't, Andres I just like, is worth pointing out. Yeah. She's great. I love all the stuff of them moving around on on the island. I find it dull. It, not unlike Alien. It, is it a good movie? Yeah, sure. But with all the James Bond we've had since, it doesn't hold up to me. I guess really I'm just a huge James Bond fan, so it has to be on the list for me. Number four, A Nightmare on Elm Street. It's mm-hmm. classic. Very good. Very good. You know, it's, it's, the last act has a lot of problems, but up until that point, I love this movie. I mean, overall, I love the movie entirely. Even in the last act, when we get some goofy stuff, we still get Stuntman on fire for like five minutes. So, so Dude, it's not I was thinking bad. about that the other day. I was amazed by it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love Nancy. I don't think it's the best performance by Heather Langenkamp, but I'll forgive it. I love the script. It's just such a wonderfully creative idea. And they do a lot of, there's a lot of neat visuals, things that they do. Some of the effects are fantastic. Some of them not so much, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, Freddy's an icon. Yeah, and this is an amazing first appearance for this icon. Such a classic movie. I mean, it... is it not in your top 10? No, it isn't. It is. That's surprising. You had you had F thirteen two above this. That's surprising to me. Yeah. That's blasphemy to some people out there. I know. I'm sure it is, and I'm. I don't want to say I'm not sure why. I but I think it. I'm kind of confused at myself. But I think it boiled down to. <laughs> I think it boiled down to that like Friday the thirteenth is. I don't know. Like kind of chill. Oh, I know where you're going with. The, there's no nudity in the Nightmare on Elm Street. That's your problem. <laughs> no, that's not my. That's not my issue. <laughs> Number one, Picasso Trigger. <laughs> you know my number four. My- <laughs> yeah, you said it's yeah. from Russia with love. Yes. My number three is... I, this I'm, has worried, to be- I'm worried we have the same top three in maybe a different order. I'm, oh, I'm really might. worried. I think two of the three anyways, but go ahead. What's your number three? Godzilla. God damn it. That's my one. <laughs> We're going to have the same three. I know it. I know it. We should have talked about this. We should have talked about this before. No, this That's is exciting. This is exciting. Yeah, Godzilla. Uh, it's, just, it's just like the perfect monster movie. It's great. Yeah, you know, Godzilla is... There's so much genuinely good filmmaking in the original Godzilla. There's so, such extreme lengths they took to convince you that it's not a guy in a costume that mm-hmm. still looks very good today. The black and white helps it a lot. But then even if you don't want to watch the movie from that perspective and don't want to appreciate it as like this testament to the horrors that Japanese people lived through, there's something just incredibly fun about people in monster costumes. I mentioned it before. I mean, I mean there's yeah. a few different angles to appreciate this movie from, I guess. The costume looks pretty decent for what it is. The monster, mm-hmm. like the, the Godzilla roar sound, great noise. Oh, God, yes. Scary noise. Incredible sound design. Yeah, the, the score is brilliant. The characters are all pretty great, especially Eye Patch Guy, whatever the hell his name is. Sarazawa. Yeah, Sarazawa. Godzilla versus Kong. I don't want to spoil anything, but they bring shame upon that name. Oh, no. I'm going to go see it tomorrow I would just like to point out, I don't want to give too much away because I don't believe you've seen it yet. No. And it won't really be spoiler by the time this episode comes out. But, like, it's a Kong movie. It's not a Godzilla movie, really. And this is right down to even the respect they pay for, like, the little nods to characters from the original movies, right? Like Mm -hmm. Carl Denham who's the guy that ends up bringing Kong to New York, and he's this asshole, exploitive piece of shit who gets people (laughs) killed. He gets a university named after him in the movie. (laughs) Like, come on, really? And then Sarazawa, they make into, like, this asshole who fucks everything up. (laughs) Not to give too much away. But especially because, like, even in the context of the series, Ken Watanabe is Sarazawa of the recent movies. Mm. So I guess this guy is Ken Watanabe's son or something, but I don't know. I just... (laughs) 
Shirazawa is the hero of the movie. He saves all of humanity, or at least yeah. all of Japan. And he, and it doesn't. And such they a treat cool him way. like a fucking asshole. And then Carl Denham. <laughs> Carl Denham's like the sleaziest character in movie history, and he gets a he gets a scientific research institute named after him. Ah. Uh. But yeah, Godzilla, great. I mean, even the miniatures are great. As you, as For you, the most part, the vehicles all have some problems, but yeah. everything else, building wise, is great. Yeah, building wise, great. Even the jets, I love. And when they fire rockets, it's those little fireworks. I think that's amazing. That might be my favorite <laughs> shot in that movie. My number three is audition. That's my number one. Yeah, we're gonna have the same. <laughs> we're gonna have the same <laughs> stupid as audition's great we've already talked about it a little bit it's a movie that just pulls the rug out from under you the movie that you think you're watching for the, f- the first hour and a half is just completely different from the movie you watched the last 20 25 minutes and both movies are great like you're into the little romance almost romantic comedy kind of plot mm-hmm. just because the characters are so good the acting's good but then when it becomes a horror movie it's the scariest shit you've ever seen too i'm not even sure when exactly that transition happens because it just comes you know and you're like oh fuck. there's a few tiny hints early but not like enough to really get your guard up and the way the characters all speak it's almost like so genuine, like you're actually listening to real people have conversations. Like whenever uh, Yoshikawa and uh, the main character, whatever his name is. Shigeharu, I think. Shigeharu and Shigehiko, I think, is his son. Shigeharu. Okay, yeah. Near the beginning when Yoshikawa and Shigeharu are in the bar together, talking about like Japanese society and Shigeharu is complaining how you know, he wants to find a woman because he's lonely and maybe that's what's going to fix his problems. Like For me, all of the dialogue in the movie worked really well. And just like this world building, character building, it was all great. And Don't then, use the term world building. Well, for this. well, it was, it was, I hate that. I hate that word thrown around, and especially for a movie that is set in reality. Yeah, well, but it's also, <laughs> but it's also got one foot in this kind of strange, <laughs> one artificial foot. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's got like one foot set in this weird kind of bizarro world. Yeah, bizarro reality. You know, I, I don't, I don't quite agree with you but hey it's a great movie it's one of the most interesting examples i can recall of like aristotelian catharsis in film where it's just like those last 20 minutes are like oh my god yeah i i love it it's a top 150 movie of all time for me as are all three of my top three so that was my number three your number three was godzilla yes so my number two which, to be honest, I'm not sure if this actually is your number two. It's uh, The Vast of Night. Oh, okay. So we do not have the same top three. Okay. I'm actually shocked my number two isn't in your list oh anywhere. But okay, Vast of Night. Yeah. So this, I'll let you talk in a second, of course. But this is a far better movie than it is a drive-in movie. We acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. This is probably a top 15 movie for me. It's definitely top 15 in terms of quality. I don't know if it's quite top 15 in terms of just my enjoyment, but it's a good movie. It is very good. All of the dialogue in this movie is the thing that makes me love this movie. Like all of the interactions the 50 between slang, characters. All that stuff. Yeah, all the 50 slang at the beginning. Like there's a line where he goes, um, I don't remember the disc jockey's name, where he's talking to Faye and he goes, Yeah, he goes, You know, if you want to be on radio, you got to have like a cool like radio name. She's like, Like what? And he's like, 500 watt Faye, Queen of Cayuga. It, like it's just so neat all the slang that they throw around is neat. all the cars are neat their town is neat but all the dialogue really just sucks me in all from that billy stuff to the old woman i just love 
everything. The only thing I don't like about it, and the only thing that for me actually kept it out of the top spot, was like the last five minutes of it. With, you know, spoilers. Yeah, you really just reminded me. I did not really care for the ending much of that movie. But I mean, overall, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's just, it, I don't know, it's just such a great movie. I just love being sucked into that 50s world of wherever the hell they're supposed to be. New Mexico, I guess. So my number two is the second oldest movie we've done. It's Frankenstein. Ah, uh, yo, yeah. <laughs> you, you, just, they... you just forgot this movie. This would have been in your top 10, right? Well, I was going to put a Universal Monster movie in, but I wanted to put some other stuff in. So maybe I did forget it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I Let think... Me... <laughs> I think... There's a debate, but I think this is the best of the Universal Monster movies that we did. I think Invisible Man, strong contender. Dracula, not as much. But yeah, Frankenstein's great. It's short. It's to the point. It's got some outstanding performances from Colin Clive, who's really convincing as this kind of mad scientist guy who believes in what he's doing. And Boris Karloff, again, I, I know I mentioned this, but you don't realize how good he is as the monster until you see other actors play the monster in a far less convincing way, mm-hmm. whether it's Lon Chaney Jr. or Bela Lugosi or whoever. And yeah, it's it's just a fantastic movie. It's It just tells its story so well. It does. And you know, I, the only reason I can think of as to why I left it off this list is because one, I like the, I like the Invisible Man better. The Invisible Man for me has a better pacing than Frankenstein does because Frankenstein is constantly cut up by the fucking old Baron von Frankenstein. That uh, old well, turd. And not just that, but I, I think The Invisible Man is, is a bit more... Just two years later, we're, we're seeing the art of filmmaking has advanced just a little bit, I think, even. I'm thinking even like with Dracula, I don't think Dracula had that same pacing problem that was directly caused by characters that Frankenstein did. Though I do like Frankenstein more than Dracula. No, the the closest we get to the Baron in Dracula would be the Cockney guy. Yeah. And he's not that bad. No. And he probably doesn't have as much screen time as the Baron does. I must have just forgotten about Frankenstein, because that should probably be on the list. After the Invisible Man, though, of course. <laughs> hey, I had them both. There's room. No, no, no. I want to put Killer Workout on there. <laughs> You had Dr. No in here. I did, yeah. I like Dr. No. <laughs> and so just to remind everybody, your number one was Audition. It My was. number one was Godzilla. So we're going double Japanese here. <laughs> Easy peasy Japanesey. These are the only two Japanese movies we've gotten so far, too. We haven't had a Godzilla sequel yet. We haven't had a Gamera movie, which I'm not really looking forward to Gamera, but it'll happen at some point. <laughs> Uh, I really like doing this. I like sitting down with you and not knowing what you were going to say. It's fun to compare lists and uh, see Ooh, how similar. Plenty of similarities, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's also plenty of differences. <laughs> I just want to thank our fans, anybody listening. Thanks for putting up with us. Thanks for following along. And this is the end of our first season. And hopefully you're going to join us for a second season. And that new season will be brought to you by the website Grandma Sophia's Cookies, where we will be joining the Grandma Sophia's Podcast Network. We should have plenty of exciting things in store for the near future. Look for us to return in the late summer or early autumn. We're just going to be switching our feeds over to a new website, so if you're a subscriber, that should not change anything. But as always, follow us on Twitter for updates, and we'll keep you posted. 